Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have our first guest of the new year, and that is Lindsay Silberman, who is absolutely wonderful. I've been wanting to have her on the show for a really long time. She is a blogger. She Before that, she was a journalist. She um, Her social media is amazing, although I will tell you it will give you major, major, major travel envy. And she is the founder of the Hotel Lobby Candle Company, which as you probably know from our obsessions, if you've listened here a long time, we love these candles. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to chat with her. But before we do, should we do some highs and lows? Yes. What is your high? I have a few highs. None of them are super high highs, but they're, I, I have a few. So the first thing is that I've been um, creating a new morning routine for myself since the start of the year. Um, I've talked about it many times that I'm just, I take a while to wake up. So the first thing that I've been doing is I've been setting an alarm in the morning and I've been waking up earlier. Um, I've been trying to wake up around 7.30. And the part for me is like, no matter how early I go to bed, I'm just a sleepy person. Like, I feel like my body wants nine or 10 hours of sleep. Oh, same. Even if I go to bed at 11, I don't necessarily wake up early. Same. So I've been setting an alarm. Um... You know, my goal is to be at my desk writing by 9.30, and I like to have a little time before that. So I've been waking up earlier, and I've started reading in the morning. I've started reading nonfiction in the morning. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What have you been reading? Well, so I, I've been reading both of the Habit books, Atomic Habits by James Clear and then Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin, because after work, I'm never going to be in the mood for nonfiction. Like, it just mm-hmm. – I feel like I want something that helps me unplug. So I've started reading in the morning. Um, and right now I'm reading a memoir by, um, Jamie Attenberg and, um, it's just been such a lovely little ritual. I, I follow friend of the pod, Olivia Mentor posts on her story almost every morning that she's reading with a cup of coffee. And I was like, I should start doing that. And so I've brought that into my morning routine and it's been so lovely. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I said a couple weeks ago, my ultimate goal is that I want to, move my walks to the morning because I feel like that really wakes up my brain, but it's just too cold right now. So in the meantime, I've been reading in the morning and it's been it's been a lovely little change of pace instead of immediately getting sucked into email or dicking around on my phone. I want to do that. I feel like you said something that really resonated with me just now in that at night you want something that's going to help you unplug. Yes. And I've been slacking on all of my nonfiction. And I mean, what a great way to start the day with like something that's going to hopefully motivate you or like make you better at your job. Yeah. Or, you know, I feel like also I haven't had the capacity for hard fiction, you know, more literary books, things like that. So I'm not a huge nonfiction reader, so I don't know how many nonfiction things I'll have, but I feel like I could also have two books going at once. I'm usually a very monogamous reader, but I could, you know, have a more serious book that I read just a little bit of in the morning and then have lighter reads that I read nights and weekends. That's super smart. So that's been a high. Um, And then the other two things. So first, I had a little book breakthrough. I've been editing my uh, my book. And and last week, I was saying it was a low. I was really daunted by it. And I had a little breakthrough yesterday where I was reading the first chapter. And it was fine. I thought it was good. It was like, I wasn't like, this is terrible. But all of a sudden, it like clicked for me how I wanted it to sound. And I rewrote the first page. And I was like, this, this is what I want. Oh, I love that. And I feel I just more clear on like the tone or the voice I want to capture. So that felt really good. And then um, my last little high is that I think I'm getting ready to come out of my self-imposed quarantine. Um, the rates of COVID are going down in New York to a place where I'm almost comfortable. And I think we'll see. It's actually, there's actually supposed to be a snowstorm this weekend. So this might not even happen. I think I'm going to go to an outdoor brunch on Saturday. Oh, good. Yeah. What about you? What's your high? My high is I'm going somewhere brand new this weekend. So when this drops, I'll already, I'll be back already. But um, we are going, and this is, so my friend Molly, who you've met, has a really cool hot sauce company called Red Clay Hot Sauce. And this place called High Hampton Resort invited her up 
to teach a spicy cocktail making class using her hot sauces. Fun. So um, she invited myself, Chastity, Chastity and Jackie, who you know, and our other friend Kate for like a long girls weekend. I've never been to North Carolina and never been to the mountains, but all I can say, like looking at this place, it looks a lot like Hudson or upstate New York. It's a five. Is it in Asheville? No, it's near Asheville. Okay. I've always wanted to go there. I've never been to North Carolina either. I I mean, the only place I've been is to the Charlotte airport. Yes. Same thing. So it looks amazing and magical and like wintry and beautiful like we're gonna do like wintry hikes and go to the spa and like sit by the fire and read and also make spicy cocktails it looks the the you should look up this place it's called high hampton and it looks magical but i don't know what to expect i've never i've never been Ooh, i can't wait to hear about this yeah, so it's like a five hour. It's a five hour drive. There's five of us going. We all are in like a little cottage, I guess. I'm excited. Fun. Yeah. What about on the low side? <laughs> I'm old. I pulled a muscle in my back. Oh. And it's like really bad. I I th- my I got a massage yesterday and it felt better. And my massage therapist said she thinks it's like I thought it was from running because I got this stitch in my side and then like a few hours later it like where the stitch was, I had like really bad back pain. And it's like in my like lower ribs on the left side of my back. Oh no. And she also thought it was, my trainer's been having me do, God, I sound like such a little like bougie bitch, my trainer, my massage therapist. So I just apologize for myself, but, um, she's been making me do these Russian twists we use like a weighted medicine ball and like twist to the side. And when I do that motion, that's where I feel it. So I think that that had something to do with it, but it's been really bad. I haven't worked out this week. I've been doing like very light walks on the treadmill and yeah, it just sucks. Oh, that does suck. Like I've been getting into the groove with running. I'm, I'm doing okay. Like we just switched to like longer running intervals. Like she's a big fan of um, interval workouts because you burn more calories, but we went from like doing like my longest run being two minutes and 30 seconds to three minutes and 30 seconds. And I clearly can't handle it. (laughs) It's always so frustrating to get injured when you're, when you're working out. Like, I feel like it feels like you're making progress and then you're like, ugh. it it aggravates me so much whenever that happens to me. Yes. So that's my low. It's just like, it's painful, but it's a lot better than it was two days ago. So that's good. This is getting better. Yeah. I don't have a low. So I think we should go talk to Lindsay. Yes, let's talk to Lindsay. So we are so excited to have Lindsay Silberman here with us today. She is a luxury lifestyle blogger and the founder of Hotel Lobby Candle Company, a home fragrance line inspired by the scents inside five-star hotels. When Hotel Lobby Candle first launched in October 2020, the candle sold out in 24 minutes, garnering interest from luxury retailers like Neiman Marcus. Now they carry the line both in stores and online. Prior to launching her candle brand and lifestyle blog, Lindsay spent a decade at magazines as an editor covering travel and beauty for outlets like Vogue, The Wall Street Journal, Town and Country, Elle Decor, and GQ. She splits her time between New York City and Miami with her proud Insta husband, whose Instagram handle is, in fact, Insta husband, and her mini Dasha and long hair peer. Lindsay, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I was just telling you guys that I listen to the podcast all the time, and I'm just pumped to be chatting with you guys. It's so funny. We've talked about having you on so many times, and I don't know why we haven't. Lindsay, you've had such an interesting career path. Like, I I mean, I think Becca and I know all about it, but we'd love it if you could talk to our listeners, I almost said readers, our listeners about your career path. Kind of if you could just give us the, the run through from college till now. Yeah. So like you guys, I had an entire other life before I started my career as a blogger, content creator, business founder, whatever you want to call me. Um, I worked in magazines as an editor and a writer for 10 years. And I really like, you know, in in college, honestly, ever since I was little, I knew I wanted to work in magazines. It kind of was always my dream. I went to Syracuse University where there was a very, at the time, specific major called magazine journalism, which sadly does not any longer exist. Now it's like digital media or something, but 
I went there knowing that my dream was to eventually work in New York City and work in magazines. And so, you know, I spent my college years interning at all the different places. And then I graduated and eventually worked my way up and worked freelance for Vogue and Wall Street Journal and worked for GQ, a bunch of really awesome outlets. And then uh, in 2018, I left my job. I was the deputy digital editor of Town and Country and El Decor. I decided to leave my job and do this full time. So I've been kind of on my own ever since. So when did you start your blog? Because you had that while you were still working in magazines, right? No. So I actually didn't. Well, oh. so the thing, yeah. Oh, I thought you were doing both. No. So the thing is that like, I'd always wanted to have a blog, but because literally my entire job and my entire day was writing at, for someone else, I just like never had the energy or like, I had no like creative left in my brain to just write again after I was, had been like writing and editing all day. So I had my Instagram account while I was working. And that was like always a little awkward because um, I also had started a new job while my Instagram account was growing. And it wasn't really at the time. It was at a time where it was, I don't know, like, I don't want to say taboo to have a following while you were like working in this corporate world, but it just was like a little uncomfortable. I think also because I was working around a lot of really old school magazine editors who didn't necessarily like understand or respect, I guess, that it was like common to have um, an audience on Instagram. And I, I felt for a while, like I was kind of living this double life. Like I was, you know, the, my office person and did my, you know, editor job. And because I worked at town and country, it was very, you know, it's a heritage brand and kind of buttoned up and we reported on the Royals a lot. And it was, very felt very corporate at times. And then, you know, I had my, my other real personality, which was on Instagram that at the time I, I felt like I did have to kind of like dial down a little bit because of, of my job. Um, and then they kind of, you know, I was doing both at the same time and growing an audience. And prior to town and country, I focused a lot on travel writing. So I was like traveling around the world and like going on assignment and going to all these amazing places and that posting about it on Instagram. And that is sort of what grew my audience. And then people kind of followed me along through my job and then leaving my job and then starting my brand. And so it's been quite a journey the past few years. Were you doing um, paid partnerships on your Instagram at that point? No. So I was like a total rule follower and I had been approached to do paid partnerships by a bunch of brands. Like by the time I left, I had over a hundred thousand followers, but I had never taken a single dollar, never made a dollar, ne never monetized my account at all. I guess like it just was sort of a blurred lines, you know, with editorial. And I was writing about all these brands and then some of the brands were approaching me on the side and it felt sort of, I don't know, like a gray area. I, I you know, I had no contract or anything that said I couldn't do it. But there was sort of no, there was like no precursor. So like there was no rules in place yet about that kind of thing. It was really earlier on before editors were really doing influencing stuff and it felt really murky. So I just realized at a certain point that I had a unique point of view and a different perspective because I had come from this background as a journalist and I thought, well, I could do this like content creator thing and just use like all of my years of experience in editorial and put that, you know, toward doing a blog and my Instagram account. That's so cool. I didn't realize that. That's amazing. I totally thought you were doing like both making money from both and then decided. Oh, no. okay. It was like, and, and like people like it's, it feels so long ago that it's like, I sometimes can't even remember, but I remember like in the building, like people we're definitely thinking that like, maybe I was like double dipping. And I just remember people were very suspicious. Like they didn't understand like what my motive was, you know? And yeah. I was like, listen, I'm here to just do the same job as everyone else. Like I've been in this business for 10 years. I'm not, you know, I'm not just like an influencer who showed up here one day and was like, cool. I like saw the double worth Prada. I want to work at a magazine. Um, I, you know, it's the, the, the Instagram thing sort of was like more later in life. And then once I left, I realized that I would really miss the writing and editing from being a magazine. So that's why I started my blog like the day that I left. Let's take a quick break. 
So we have a new sponsor today. Today's episode is sponsored by Truebill. So over the past few months, I've racked up quite a few subscriptions to streaming services. I'll, I'll want to watch a show and then I'll sign up and say to myself that I'll cancel when I'm done, but then I kind of forget about it. So Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel all your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. So I went through the sign-up process and I figured that, sure, like I might have one or two things that needed canceling. I was horrified how many subscriptions I had that I had forgotten about. Like my three different New York Times subscriptions for cooking, news, and crosswords, the New York Magazine subscription for their online content that I completely forgot about, three different streaming services that I'm not even using. This app is totally genius and their base service is totally free. So Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Like one of their users, Matthew, says, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 for the year on my Sirius XM bill, and saved $840 a year on car insurance. It's actually kind of a fun weeknight activity, so go save yourself some money and spend it on something you will actually use. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com BOP. Go right now, Truebill.com slash BOP. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com slash BOP. Back to the episode. And what about Hotel Lobby Candle Company? Tell us the origin story of, of that. I'm such a fan, Lindsay. I I don't have one burning right now because I just came back from running errands, but like I generally have one burning in my house at all times. You guys are like so supportive. Honestly, I think the first time, I mean, people have posted about us on Instagram, but I remember hearing you guys um, give us a shout out on the podcast, like very early on after we launched. And I was like freaking out. It was like the first time I'd ever heard people talk about the brand before. And it was very cool. So I'm so appreciative of how like supportive and awesome you guys have been to the brand. So we, um, it's like, the story is, is essentially that I had spent all these years traveling around the world and writing, and I had the opportunity to stay at so many amazing hotels. And I remember there was one time in particular, the first time I had ever walked into a hotel lobby and I was in Hong Kong and I noticed that it had this like incredible smell. Like I had just gotten off a plane. I was like super jet lagged and they opened the doors to the hotel. And I was just like immediately engulfed with this like insane. It, it put me in a trance. It was just like incredible. The scent was beyond. And then many years later, I walked into another hotel of the same brand somewhere else around the world. And I, I it was the same familiar scent. And I started to realize that, you know, a lot of these luxury hotels as part of their branding and marketing will pump a specific fragrance throughout their lobby. And it's familiar to the guests. And it's also just like comforting and luxury. And I always thought it would be very cool to bring that experience to like everyone, regardless of whether or not you've stayed in a fancy hotel or people who have stayed in, you know, a lot of these nicer properties to be able to bring a piece of that home to them. And at the time, um, I, I really never thought that I could launch it. I, I just didn't have any experience. Like I didn't understand how people launch businesses. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and we were, the pandemic happened and we were home and I had stopped traveling and some of my other work had slowed down. And I was like, maybe I need to make this brand. Like maybe I need to start pursuing this idea. So I literally just started Googling, like how to launch a candle brand, like where to find a manufacturer. Uh, everyone, I think everyone thinks that there's some like secret way that people find out how to do this. And you know, so much of it has literally just been like Googling and talking to people and, and asking a million questions and just figuring it out for myself because literally there was no one who told, told me any of this stuff and kind of just like figured it out along the way. I'm one of those people who thinks that it's like there's all these like secrets that no one tells you. So that's encouraging because I find it so intimidating what you've done. No, it's like, and I remember thinking the same thing. It just felt like a foreign world to me. Like, a, how does someone like manufacture a product? I, I didn't understand what that was. 
And now I feel like I have literally been in product manufacturing bootcamp for the past like year and a half since we've launched. Um, and so much of it has literally been me not knowing what the actual asset I was doing and figuring it out along the way. Wait, I don't know if you can tell us this, but can you tell us which hotel in, in inspired the first Hotel Lobby Candle? Well, so the hotel that I was referring to in Hong Kong was actually Shangri-La. And then I went into another Shangri-La in Australia, but I hadn't been in one of those hotels in many years. So I didn't even really remember what that scent was. It was sort of the first scent was like an accumulation of like what I had remembered of all of these luxury hotels. I felt like there was something very specific and in common about all the ones that I remembered. It was like kind of like a deep, like mysterious, intoxicating scent. And so I really just tried to like recreate that with our first signature candle. And that is, um, has been our bestseller um, ever since. And yeah, it's sort of like what put the brand on the map. How do you go about creating a scent? Like, I, I don't have the language for that. Like, do you just get a bunch of samples of things and mix them together and play chemist in your kitchen? Like, how do you, how do you create yeah. a scent? So that's a really good question. Most of the time, so I work with a manufacturer and we work with fragrance houses. And usually when I, let's say like pick a destination or we pick like the inspiration for what the scent is going to be, I will give them direction in terms of like how I, what I want it to smell like. And I'll reference notes or I'll reference like other things, like other products that I've smelled that have an amazing fragrance. And I'll send that as a reference, like I've sent like in literally deodorants, hair conditioners, like all different products for me to send to the fragrance house and say like, there's something about this that I really like. Like, can you identify what that note is? And then we'll add things and take away. And then um, the fragrance house will send samples and then we burn, you know, our entire apartment is always just like filled with candles and we'll go, I'll go through them one by one. And Usually I, it's like a gut instinct. So like I'll open the box and like my immediate first reaction when it's not lit, I'm like, do I love it or do I hate it? And then it moves on to, if I like it, then it moves on to the burning phase. Then I'll put it in a room, burn it for a few hours, see how I feel about that. And usually then we'll revise from there. Like, does it need to be stronger? Does it need to be spicier? Does it need to be more floral? And it just sort of like evolves from there. That's fascinating. I find it so fascinating too. I'm curious though, do you have a favorite scent out of all of them? Oh, that's like so hard. Honestly, I, I think that Miami is probably like the most representative of my personal scent preference. Um, and then I would say Nui in the winter is like, it's like really sexy. It's really like just different. It was inspired by a hotel that I'd stayed at in Paris. And so that's like a really special one to me. You had sent me Miami and I was like, I'm not going to like this. It's going to smell like suntan lotion. It's going to be like sweet and coconutty. And I opened it. And Becca has said this before too. It is the sexiest candle. It makes your home just smell incredible. That's like what I, like I have always wanted to have like a signature scent in my house. And I always wanted, you know, and we have like friends over or whatever. I always want people to walk in and be like, oh my God, this is the smell of like Lindsay's apartment. And that is the smell. Like everyone should want their apartment to smell like that. It just smells rich and it smells like sexy and just like, uh, it's amazing. I feel yeah. like it also has really good scent dispersion because I feel like anytime anyone walks into my apartment and I have it burning, it's like a homing beacon where they're like, what is that? What? And they like have yeah. to, they're like, something smells totally. amazing in here. I have to find it. And the thing is too, that like, I'm a big consumer of candles. Like I am a candle whore. Like I literally have collections of every single luxury brand. I've smelled them all. I know all the popular ones. And what I always, you know, my litmus test is whenever I'm trying to develop a scent, like I want it to smell like something like people have never smelled before. I don't want people to be like, oh, this reminds me of like, you know, Bath and Body Works, cashmere sweater or whatever. I want every scent to be like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I've never smelled anything like it. So that's like, it has to be that way. Otherwise I won't, the scent like won't get approved. What's been the biggest challenge? Oh my God. Literally what hasn't been the biggest, <laughs> every single thing is a challenge. Like the minutia is next level. You would never know. There are so many elements like that go into a product that like, I just took totally for granted. I had no idea about anything. I mean, 
everything from like the sizing of the shipping boxes to the crinkle paper, literally just the other day, my husband who works um, in the, the business, you know, runs the company with me, he kind of oversees the logistics and all of our operations and finances. And so in the beginning, I really wanted, like our manufacturer had been putting peanuts in the boxes to prevent the candles from breaking. And I was like really offended by the peanuts. I was like, the peanuts have to go, not environmentally friendly. Like they're annoying. So we changed over to crinkle paper and I come to find out now, my husband told me yesterday, like, if you think about how large, you know, that like crinkle paper, like the shredded, whatever, like those like little strings of paper, I guess when they send them, the box is like a thousand pounds or something because it takes up so much space. It's heavy. We're, you're talking to two customers here, so we know. You know. And so so Matt was like, by the way, like every time we ship an order of crinkle paper to our warehouse, it's like $1,000 in shipping just to, for the stupid paper that you want because you think it looks nicer than, you know, the peanut. It's like, there's just so many little small details that I think unless you are like the business owner and involved in the every single aspect of the business, you just don't even think about. Like it's it's really been so challenging in so many ways, but it's also been really fulfilling. And is it just the two of you or do you have any employees yet? So we are the only two full-time employees. Um, we hope, I mean, we, we need to, we need to hire this year because it's just gotten to a point where like, it's not possible for it just to be the two of us. We have, um, like contractors, like we have a designer and someone who helps with the email marketing. And then we of course have our manufacturer and, and warehouse fulfillment, but we are the only two full-time people. So, and then, you know, I have my other job, which is like the, you know, the majority or had been the majority of my life up until we launched the brand. So it's a lot, but, um, but you know, it's, I think it's a very, like, it's an experience that I never thought I was capable or the type of person to have. Like, I just never thought of myself as someone who could launch a company or launch a product or just cause I didn't, I don't know. I just never put myself in that category. And so it's cool to know that I, I am capable of doing something like that. I mean, I think you guys are doing such a great job. Like the shadow looms much larger than the two of you. Like if I didn't follow you on Instagram and I just saw the website and the product, I would think that this was like a very professional operation that had many people behind it. Oh, I know. We sometimes are like, oh my God, if people only knew. And, And we often laugh because people will email our customer service, which we call our concierge because, you know, the hotel thing. And no one realizes that they're just talking to my husband while he's like, we're like sitting in bed 10 o'clock and someone like is missing a shipment. And he's like on the phone with FedEx and on the phone with the customer. And uh, people never realize that it's him. It's funny. Does he sign the Matt or does he have a customer service name that he uses? Um, No, he says Matt on behalf of HLC. Cause I think, you know, we're a small business and like, obviously we appear quite large and we're in Neiman Marcus and our, everything looks, but at the end of the day, we are a small business. And I think First of all, I have a now newfound respect for other small businesses because like it is a grind. And I think it's part of like the charm. And I think when people realize that that my husband is the one tracking down their FedEx lost shipment, they kind of it's it's endearing. And I think they feel a lot more inclined to support us, which is also great. What's it like running a business with your husband? I mean, it's a, hilarious that he's Insta husband on on Instagram, by the way. Yeah, I know. He, um, you know, he really has come around to that name in the very beginning. He was sort of like mortified by it, but I think he's now just accepted it. Um, Wait, it did you is, make his handle that or did he? Oh, I made it and I actually like bought it off of a random guy. <laughs> <laughs> there was prior to Matt, another Insta husband who lived in like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he was like a dad of two and hadn't posted anything in four years. So I like hunted him down and reached out to him. And basically, I mean, it it was a whole long story that I'm not even going to share because it makes me seem like a crazy private investigator stalker. But I did find out, um, I did get in contact with him and I was able to get the handle because I just thought, you know, I thought everyone was calling him that. And I was like, how cool would it be for you to actually have that handle? We could turn it into a brand. It's like great branding opportunity. Did he think it was cool? Um, I think he was sort of like, oh, whatever. Just like go get the handle and come back. I don't think he ever <laughs> thought, 
I don't think he ever thought I would actually do it. And then when I couldn't get in touch with the guy, he was like, you really need to drop, like drop this, get over it. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting over it. Like when I'm determined for something, like I need to make it happen. So, um, but now he thinks it's funny. But anyway, sorry to get back. Sorry. What, it, what it's like to work with my husband. Um, it is def. it can be challenging, but also I think in the beginning, what he, we are, are very different people and we have very different strengths and weaknesses. And luckily they're totally opposite. So like, he's really good at like the numbers and like the bigger picture and overseeing like the logistics and warehouse and inventory, all this stuff that makes me want to die inside. And I'm more, you know, strong with the like creative and the vision and the marketing and the branding. So we sort of like stay in our lanes and he kind of does his thing and I do mine. And occasionally we overlap in some ways and we'll help each other. But for the most part, we just like have our defined roles. That's really nice. Do you guys have any plans to expand past candles? We do. We are, um, we have our eye on one specific category, another fragrance category, but it's just, it's so, um, there's so much that goes into it. I think like, you know, if I just saw candles, I would think like, oh, that's so easy. You literally just like pick a scent and a color for the thing and you put it in a box and put a bow on it. And how hard could it be? But like, it is mind blowing how much more complicated it, it is. There's just so many aspects that I, you know, never even knew. Like when you order something online, you just think it like magically appears, but you don't think about like the entire process that it has to go through to go from start to finish. So we are in the process of, of expanding into another category, but of course, like I need to make it more difficult and I like want something very custom and we need to get custom molds. And so it's going to take a lot longer than probably it should, but, um, we are going to be expanding. So cool. I can't wait to see what it is. Yeah, me too. Oh, I want to know, are there any future scent launches coming this year? Which we be excited about. Yes. Tell us. Well, okay. So I, it's like, it's honestly one of the most fun parts. Like imagine just sitting down and we did this kind of in the beginning of the year or maybe like more last year and just like mapped out our launches for this year. And of course, like if it, if I had unlimited resources and unlimited time, like I'd be doing a new launch every month. Cause there are like so many places that I'm like, wow, that place has such a defined scent. And like, I could totally already see like what the packaging is going to look like and what the glass is going to look like. Um, but we have to reel it in because still just the two of us. So we have a launch, a really exciting launch coming in April. And then we have another big one coming, um, two over the summer and then fall and then holiday. So the April one, I don't want to like say what it is, but, um, it's something that when I asked, I was just like pulling our, the audience and saying, what is like a scent or like a vibe that you would want. I was like shocked about how many people guessed the exact thing that I was planning on doing anyway. So that's what I was, I'm very excited about that. Interesting. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be a crowd pleaser. Let's take an ad break to talk about a new sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Honey Love. They're the shapewear you'll actually want to wear. So a few months ago, I was seeing these ads on Instagram for Honey Love, and the videos were wild. And I figured it had to be a gimmick, like it looked too good to be true. But I tried it, and the hype is real. So as I've said, I've been staying in most of the past month. But back in December, I had a big night out to go see the Nutcracker, and the dress I wanted to wear was a little snugger than I remembered. So I decided it was a good time to test drive the shapewear shorts that Honey Love sent me, and I was so impressed. They're designed for comfort and looks, so they don't have that embarrassing, like, flesh-colored granny girdle look. And they're made from premium materials with a signature X that targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. And I loved that they were comfortable to wear all night, but still gave me the smooth look I wanted. And I'm happy to report I did not have the same rolling issues with the legs rolling up or the waistband rolling down that I've had with other brands. Don't just take my word for it. Honey Love has been featured everywhere from the New York Times to Good Morning America to Brides Magazine and has thousands of five-star reviews. And they're risk-free. 
They cover shipping and restocking to make all U.S. returns completely free. You'll deserve shapewear you want to show off. See for yourself at honeylove.com and get 20% off a second item. Plus, when you use code BOP, you'll get an additional 10% off your entire order. Get 20% off your second item plus an additional 10% off at honeylove.com with code BOP. Honeylove.com, code BOP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Should we move into some beauty and fashion questions? Yes, we should. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite topic. (laughs) I mean, Lindsay's blog is packed with beauty recommendations. Lindsay and I are in the Sephora squad together. Lindsay, what is your favorite beauty hack? So this is like... I, I I was thinking about this because I feel like I have so many hacks that I just do in my everyday life. And I, you know, I don't even like think of them as hacks anymore, but, um, one thing that people always love, it really is like a beauty travel combo. So when I, um, travel and, you know, you don't want to bring, like, I call it my contact lens case hack. So when you don't want to bring your full size foundation or your full size eye cream or aquaphor or lip mask or whatever, I just like repot the products into contact lens cases because they're so tiny. And then obviously they take up way less space than your full size foundation, which like you don't need to, to bring on a trip. Um, and so I just like pump the product into the little like well, and I've figured out that it gets me like seven full days of foundation and just one side. And then the other side I'll put in like my eye cream or a lip mask or like any other like cream product that I don't want to bring like a full size of when I'm traveling. That's so genius. And it like closes tight. So you don't have to worry about spilling. Like totally. It's like, honestly, the greatest thing ever. And then, and then sometimes you need to like have different shades or whatever. It's just really like a huge safe space saver. So we need some product recs from you. So tell us what are your, I'm not going to give you a number, but like, what are your Holy grail desert Island beauty items? Like you're going to be marooned somewhere. What are you taking? Okay. Love this question. So I would say, um, Bumble and Bumble hairdressers, invisible oil. Um, like it's like a UV detangling protectant spray. It's like a does it all spray. And it's amazing. It smells amazing. My hair is kind of fine and, and it doesn't weigh it down. It's like the only like detangler type of product that doesn't weigh it down. So love that. Um, another hair product. I love um, Batiste dry shampoo. You can get it on Amazon. It's like $7.99. And it's like, in my opinion, one of the best dry shampoos. Um, what else? I love, I mean, I'm an Elemis cleansing balm die hard. So that's like always one of my favorites. I feel like every, I feel like that's like not even that exciting of a product now because it's so ubiquitous. Like everyone knows about the cleansing balm at this point, but it really is that amazing. It smells so good. I know. I love it. I love the rose one. Um, and then I love, um, the Dr. Dennis gross peel pads. The, I use the extra strength ones. Those are like an OG favorite of mine. I'm trying to think what else I have like so many. Oh, you know, there's a, the new, I have a, some makeup products that I'm very into recently. I saw all these influencers posting about this Gucci bronzer. And I thought it was sort of just one of those things that like looks really pretty in the packaging, but probably sucks. And I bought it and it's amazing. It's like probably the best bronzer I've ever tried. Um, it's like a, like a little egregiously priced for a bronzer, but it's also one of those things that's like so pigmented. You probably like will never finish it. I'll like probably be dead by the time it's finished. So um, I don't feel so bad about spending that money on it. <laughs> um, and what in the in the tradition of things I bought and liked, aka Tyable, what is on your nightstand right now? Oh, is that where that's uh, from? Yes. Anytime I do a Q&A, like 17 people ask me that. And I'm like, first of all, I've already answered this. And second of all, like, why do you want to know what's on my nightstand? Yeah. So now oh my God, it's funny. When you said Tybal, I thought you were going to say um, like what's in your bag. Cause I feel like that's another one of her favorite questions. And usually in my, my bags, I don't know why I was just thinking about this, but like my bags are so disgusting. <laughs> I feel like it's like, there's like, you know, sand and crumbs and like receipts and wrappers <laughs> and like, like dog treats. And just like, I love when people do their bag spills and they look so everything's like has its home in a little pouch and mine's like the complete opposite of that. Okay. What's on my nightstand. So obviously I have a hotel lobby candle. 
I like to sleep next to the Nuit, um, the Paris Nuit candle, which is like the navy blue one. Cause it's just like, it has a really good cold throw, which in the candle biz is like the name of the scent when the candle is not lit. So um, it's like just the most amazing scent. Like even if you're not, even if it's not lit when you're going to sleep or waking up in the morning, you just get a little like a whiff of it. And it's really kind of like aromatherapy type of vibe. I also have one of those tripolar stop BX. Have either of you guys tried that? It's like kind of like a new face, but like, so it's a, it's a facial device. Um, Also one of the, I feel like I own all the devices and use none of them because I'm just like so lazy, but this one in particular, I've been very diligent about using because it, it's amazing. It's like a radio frequency, like an at home radio frequency device. Um, and you sort of like just rub it on your face, like a new face, but it like helps collagen production. And just like, feel like it makes your cheeks look very like plump and I don't know. Ooh. And it's easy to, I just do it while I'm laying in bed. So it's like nice and lazy friendly. What else do I have? I mean, I have like all sorts of like lotions and potions, like serums and oils. I love doing my skincare in bed. Do you guys do yours in bed or you do it like in the bathroom standing at the sink? In the bathroom. I do it in the bathroom, but you're really selling this hard. And I'm like, yeah, I could get into in bed skin, in, in bed skincare. So, okay. So, the, so I, I obviously like will wash my face at the sink, but like my, sometimes my routine was like getting so elaborate that I, I like, I just hated standing up for that long and like waiting for things to dry. And so I was like, I'm just going to keep all of my products like in the top drawer of my nightstand and just do them while I'm laying in bed watching TV. And um, yeah, it's like a nice therapeutic. I love that. I'm, I'm like a, I love a lazy girl moment. So to me, that's like peak luxury is just like being able to be like horizontal while I'm doing my skincare. That's amazing. So we're going to wrap up with some some quick questions, some random ones. You travel so much. What is your favorite place that you've traveled to? Oh my God. That's, that's a tough question. I think like the place that I, that holds a special place in my heart that I continue to go back to every single year is St. Bart's. Um, my husband and I went for the first time probably like eight years ago. And at the time, like we didn't know anything. All I knew is that I heard like rich people went there and I heard it was like really chic and there were nice hotels. So we had no idea what we were doing. I just Googled stuff and we went and we're totally clueless and we just fell in love with it. And now we've, we go, um, once sometimes twice a year and it's just like the most beautiful place. And I think it has like a total misconception. I think people assume it's going to be this very like buttoned up, um, pretentious place. And it's like really so much more low key than that. So I think that's why I love it so much. Um, yeah. And then I, I also love Thailand. I, it's probably like in terms of like a far flung destination, I love everything about Thailand. I've been probably four or five times and I'm dying to go back when like this world craziness ends, hopefully if it ever does. You're going to have to talk to Be- to Becca about that because Becca needs to get to Thailand. We were supposed to go years ago and she had a family emergency and I went by myself. So I loved it. I think like the people are amazing. The food, like Thai food is my favorite thing. And I just like, honestly, think the people for me was like, did it like so, so sweet and kind and warm. What about top U.S. destinations, though? Um, well, I'm kind of partial, I think, to Miami now because I spend half my time here. Um, I I absolutely love Miami, Miami Beach. I love Palm Springs um, and Palm Beach. I think all of my destinations are like warm places because I hate the cold. <laughs> um, and what else? Oh, you know, I went. I just went to Charlottesville, um, Virginia recently, and absolutely loved it. Like went to tons of wineries, really good restaurants, like good food scene. Um, but it's like a really good weekend trip. I forwarded some of your photos to so many of my friends and I was like, who's going to go on this trip with me? You made it look so cute. Okay. It's such a good girl's trip. Like I went, I went with Matt, but I would, I'm dying to my, actually one of my best friends is getting married there. So all of my girlfriends are going to go and we're getting a house. It is like such a good place for a girl's trip for sure. That's good to know. I need some new like U.S long weekend destinations. Yeah, that's that's the perfect kind of place for that. So not the candle, but what actual hotel lobby is your favorite? 
Um, okay. So the one hotel in Miami is one of my absolute favorites. Um, I also love, um, I love the Baccarat in, in New York, even though it's like so extra and over the top, like there's just something about it. That's like, I love, um, Oh, I also love, um, the colony in Palm beach, just like the kitschiness of it. That's like retro vintage. That's one of my favorites too. What made you decide to split your time between Miami and New York? Um, so what, like I've always, I always dreamed like when I was, I've always just loved Miami. And I always thought that I would love to be a snowbird, like the way, like, you know, grandparents would live in the you know Northeast during the summers and then come to Florida during the winters. Like my grandparents did that. And I always saw like, Oh, maybe when I retire, that is like my dream life. And then COVID happened. And I was like, I am not doing winter in New York anymore. Like this fucking sucks. Like I just was complaining the whole time. And I think that like the getting dark early thing and it just, I was just unwell and also just the working from home and my husband and I working together in the same place. And it just was getting really getting to me. So we kind of did like a YOLO moment and we're like, let's rent a place in Miami. We, we have our apartment in Brooklyn and we thought, you know, let's try it out in Miami, see how it feels. Maybe like down the road, like we would buy in Miami and then split our time 50, 50. Um, so I kind of think of ourselves as just really young snowbirds right now. Um, and it's, I, I, yeah, I, I love it. I, I, I'm sure Grace, you relate to a lot of this and like so much of your identity or at least me is in New York. And I felt like I'm so scared to give that up or I felt weird to like, it felt weird to even tell like publicists, Oh, my new mailing address is not New York right now. And just cause I've identified as a New Yorker for so long, but um, I don't know how it's how you, if you're, if you feel that at all too. Oh, I feel it a lot. It's, it's really weird. You know, I was like looking at my, just all the books on my shelf the other day. And it's like, New York, this New York, that New York magazine cartoons. And I'm like, I look pretentious if you didn't know me and and realize that I lived in New York for the past 15 years. I don't know. It definitely has affected like it's given me a little bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, it's on. It almost reminds me of like literally when I left my corporate job, I had a full identity crisis like I. Yes. You guys probably related to that, too. Like I only knew myself as like Lindsay like editor at town and country, Lindsay writer for this place. I never had an identity as like my own individual person. And I remember thinking this, I'm like going off on a tangent, but I just remember thinking when I left, like no one's going to give a shit about me when I'm just like alone on a man on an island by herself without like being tethered to this like impressive corporate publication or, or company. And, um, and I remember being really scared that I would just be like forgotten or like irrelevant. And I think like something that we've all probably realized since like leaving our jobs is that that's so not the case anymore. And, you know, it's just, I think it's just, it's just a job, it's just a company. And I think everyone, you know, now we're in the age of like branding yourself and it's, you know, you don't have to work for a big flashy, fancy company to like be successful. I think. I totally agree. And that's such a good comparison. I The two times I've ever felt like a real, like, who am I? Like, like just like questioning everything have been in moving. And then before that, leaving my day job. Yeah. And the New York thing, I feel like is similar too, because you think in my mind, I'm like, oh, the entire world revolves around New York City. And then if I'm not there, then what, who am I? Like, yeah. am I, am I not part of it anymore? But yeah, it's, it's an unusual fit. But then I, I think I'm also like, now that I'm getting older, I just like don't care as much. I'm like, all right, who cares? Like, I'd, yeah. rather be ha- I'd rather be happy than care about what people think. Grace, do you want to go for the last one? This is a funny question. I'm excited to ask you this. What is this is your the- question or a listener question? A listener question. I didn't make up any. I didn't make up most. Most. I, ma- I threw in a few business ones, but um, I did not make this up. Lindsay, you know this question because we sent you the questions in advance. What is the shadiest thing you've ever seen an influencer do? Okay, wait. So I forgot that you had people sending questions and I was doing Q&A the other day and someone asked me the same exact question. And obviously maybe it's the same person. I don't know. But I didn't answer it on my Q&A because like 
I just feel like I'm surrounded by shadiness every single day. And like, I couldn't think of one specific, like it's, I, I don't know. I, I really am trying to think of like, what, how would you answer that? I feel like, okay, maybe not putting ad, but that's like not putting an ad if it's an ad, which whatever, that's like obvious. So many people do that, even though it's super shady, but that's not fun. Like I was trying to think of like something really juicy and fun. What would your answer be? You know, I'm not sure. I just think there's like the industry in general is pretty shady. Like there's just a lack of disclosure, like not putting ad, not saying that you got something for free. Not like if you're on a trip and you don't disclose that, you know, the property gave you a discount or something. But I don't. It's like it's like also um, like people have started like brands that were just like a rip off, like complete like ripoffs or they just bought some just like a designer ripoff thing and there's rebranding it as their own thing. I mean, there's just been so many, I like love the, I never, I, I still feel so many ways that I'm like a, a, an outside spectator of the influencer world and I'm not really in it. I'm just like watching it like everyone else. And I am just truly fascinated every day by like some of the stuff that people post and say and do. And I'm like, Wow, that's interesting ju- choice of judgment to, in, in your decision to talk about or post about that. But yeah, the loop giveaways and the like, the buying engagement, those two things k- kill me because it it just then puts us all in different playing fields. But well, I feel like you and I were were like the two probably like two of the only resolute people who just did not give away a Peloton at some point, <laughs> like three years. Which, by the way, I feel like I found out that like the Peloton loops, like people weren't even getting the Peloton. I don't, I think they were just using the Peloton as a bait, but they were just really cutting them a check or something. And it wasn't, they were never really actually getting the bike. Oh. And then I also heard, I don't know, this is like not something I've seen, but I'd heard people say that when people, when they do these big loop giveaways, it's like the winner it's like the same winner or it's like a different variation of the same person who wins every single time. And it's just like a friend of the people who are in the loop, which I feel like is really fucked up. That's so fucked up. That's illegal. You're not, you're definitely not allowed to do that legally. Cause it's also like, okay, you guys are probably making so much money. Like throw some random girl a hundred bucks. Like you're all chipping in what 200 bucks. You can afford it. Like you keep it in the family and give it to one of your friends. Just do something nice for someone else. Yeah, that's super shady. The FTC like actually regulates like giveaways and sweepstakes. Today, somebody sent me the sweepstakes that Virgin, like the airline, is running to like find love in London. And they were like, oh, they must have they must have listened to rom-com pods. And but the sweepstakes was to go to London. It was JFK to Heathrow for a one night stay was the sweepstakes. It's like, how angry would you be if you if you won that? And then you're like, you wouldn't. You wouldn't also, even like, get over your jet lag. Also, like that's that's where they're gonna cut the expense. Like throw an extra night in. I'm sure they could get a hotel or someone to to give an extra night or two, like one night. That seems like work. That's crazy. But, yeah, that would be work to to actually win. It would be like, oh, what a headache! I have to go to on a 48 hour trip to London. Yeah, that doesn't. I, I like hate all that stuff. But I like like reading about when people expose it. Like I love reading like Steph McNeil, Steph and BuzzFeed when she exposes all of it. Oh, yeah. I love following her. Yeah, she's a great follow. So I think that's all we have for questions. It was really, really fun talking to you, about, especially about Hotel Lobby Candle, but about everything. Thanks. It was so good talking to you guys, too. Before we let you go, can you please tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet and where they can find Hotel Lobby Candles? Yes. So you can find me um, at Lindsay Silb is my Instagram handle. LindsaySilberman.com is my blog and Hotel Lobby Candle. Best place to buy where we always will have the most stock is on our website. But if you are interested in like smelling it in store, we're in some Neiman Marcus stores across the country um, and our website's HotelLobbyCandle.com. Wonderful. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you guys so much. I feel like that went by very fast. So let's get into some unmatter. Let's. Do you have an Instagram obsession this week? I do. So I followed this account called Get Your Book on Insta. And I found it because Kate Spencer from uh, Forever 35, and her book is also coming out in March, um, shared something from the account. And it's basically just quotes about 
the writing process. And it's from um, Amy Spaulding, who wrote, she writes YA. She wrote, I think it's called The Summer of Jordi Perez. I've really liked a couple of her books. And she is a freelance editor as well. But I just find the quotes really encouraging. And so I've been really enjoying following this account. I don't have an Instagram obsession this week. I've been um, really nose to the grindstone with tax stuff and like getting my 1099s complete. So I haven't been dicking around on the internet as much as usual. Well, tell me about your regular obsession. My regular obsession, I was texting you about this last night, is a TV show. It's on FX, but I bought the, the season on Apple TV. It's American Crime Story Impeachment. And this is the one about the Clinton era with, um, and by the way, Bill Clinton is played by Clive Owen with like a prosthetic nose. And it's honestly like so convincing. His accent is incredible. This is the Monica Lewinsky one, right? So this is the Monica Lewinsky one. And what interested me was that like several of my friends down here were raving about it. But Monica herself was involved. She's a producer on the show. Yeah, I knew that. I had seen all the lead up to it. I saw the trailer. I thought it looked so good. And then when it came out, it was kind of crickets. And then the few people that I did hear about it from said that they didn't like it. And they said, I think they specifically said they didn't love Edie Falco and, and somebody else. Okay, so I am only three episodes in and I have not gotten to, I have not seen much of Hillary yet. Okay. Um, Edie Falco plays Hillary for the for reference. But I think, so first of all, Sarah Paulson plays Linda Tripp. And I have conflicted op- opinions about this because, first of all, she, I like it because she's so convincing. The makeup, like the transformation is incredible. A friend of mine pointed out, like they could have just hired a plus size actress. I didn't realize Sarah was wearing a fat suit throughout. Like I just thought it was makeup. Like I guess I wasn't paying much attention to her body, but more her face. And that is completely true. So take that for what it is. But I just felt otherwise that the casting was incredible. I think Beanie Feldstein is so, so good as Monica. Like I wouldn't have thought of it because, you know, we, we love Beanie and Booksmart. But she's just absolutely perfect. She's so endearing and warm. And, you know, I really think that Monica just got treated like shit by the country and the media and everything else. Like, luckily, I don't think that would fly today. But I just, um, I I love it. I think it's brilliantly done so far. And again, I'm only three episodes in. So if something falls off a cliff or, or is really bad, like, don't fault me. But I'm enjoying it so far. I think that I need to check it out this weekend. I need a I need a new show. I'm caught up on everything that I'm watching. And so maybe on Sunday, I'll check this out. I think you'll enjoy it. Because I mean, and we both just love Beanie. Like, yeah. I mean, Booksmart was one of our, we went to see that together, I think, with Alex. And that was like one of our favorite movies. Yeah. Yeah. What is your obsession? So my obsession is inspired by our community. So after I talked about that I want to stop biting my nails, in 2022. And also, look, it's uh, January 27th, and I haven't bitten my nails. This doesn't look really impressive, but it feels impressive. Anyway, a a couple of people DM'd me, and they said that I should try Olive and June's top coat if I haven't. And I had this. I owned it from uh, when we did ads with Olive and June last year. And I'd used the top coat, but I used it for pedicures. And so, I don't know, I just always feel like my pedicures stay longer anyway. So I didn't really notice it as like a standout. I tried it last week on my fingers. Grace, it is like magic. It's really good. I use it too. I use it because they sent us that kit. Yeah, it's, well, I I used to use a different top coat that I really liked, but this, oh my God. Oh, I think it's the best top coat. Yeah, I've gone from my at-home manicures lasting like four days without starting to show wear to like over a week. Like it is, it is intense. That's impressive. I am a huge fan. The other thing I really like your at home manicure quest. It's cracking me up a little bit. I'm going to do one right after this. I'm going to change it up. Not even because I have to, just because I'm, I have a little bit of growth at the bottom and because I'm sick of the color that I have. The other thing that a lot of people suggested was the dazzle dry system. So I've heard you, I'm probably not in the market to buy any more products right now, but when I am, I'll check it out. I like dazzle dry. When I, I used to get dazzle dry at my old nail salon. A lot of people recommended it, but yeah. I don't really need to spend more money on this yet. Yes. Let's talk about books. Yes, let's. Tell me what you, you've you read. So if you listened to last week's episode, you might remember that I was starting The Maid by Nita Prose. 
And I wasn't so sure about it all. First of all, this is totally different from Made on Netflix because I was talking about this with my family last night and my sister was like, oh, I couldn't read the book. The Netflix series was just too depressing. And I was like, no, 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 this is completely different. So this is about a hotel maid and she has, so she has some like trouble reading social cues and her whole life she's lived with her grandmother. She's 25 years old. Her grandmother's kind of helped her get by and helped her out like with like, just understanding people a little bit better. So she's like doing well, but her grandmother's passed away. At least she loves her job. One day, one of the like VIP guests of the hotel turns up dead. And a at first they think it's natural causes, then they realize it was a murder, and she finds herself as the top suspect because of some stupid mistakes that she's made because of her problem, you know, with understanding social cues. So there's just this whole big messy situation. There's this guy that is like a horrible criminal, but she thinks it's, he's like her boyfriend. He's not, he's like using her. And you're just like, you are, your heart aches for her. She's so endearing and lovable, but you are not sure how she's going to get herself out of this mess. It turns out she has a lot of unlikely friends from the hotel and, you know, from life. They really rally around her to help her. And I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to give away spoilers, but it is a thriller, but it's super heartwarming and endearing. Becca, I think you'd really like this book. I also gave it to my mom and she read it in like two days, could like would not stop raving about it at dinner last night. She was like, it's the first book in so long that I couldn't put down. It made me so happy. It was so good. So well written. Strong endorsement from Denise Atwood. Yeah. So now it's been sent to my youngest sister in Ithaca because Becca, sister Becca hasn't had time as much time to read. So it's going to Meredith. But we love this book. It's one of the best books. I. It's probably the best book I read all month. Okay. Yeah. And then I started, and I know that you DNF to this. Um, I did. I started Good Rich People by Eliza Jane Brazier. And um, I can't tell if I hate it or I like it so far. It I'm was, about halfway through. Oh, you made it further than I did. I made it one chapter, and I I was sure that it was not for me. So I don't think it's for – I don't know, because – there's another character It's told by the perspective of two women and the other character is more interesting and offsets it a bit. So we'll see where it goes, but I'm going to finish it, but I can't tell if I like it. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Um, so I finished Olga Dies Dreaming by Sochil Gonzalez and this, um, this was really fantastic. It was a debut and it was so impressive. And it was just a really sprawly, complicated family novel with so many different plot lines woven together. It went somewhere very unexpected for me, but I I really enjoyed it. So I liked that a lot. A book came in the mail. It doesn't come out until April, but I couldn't, I needed to pick it up right away. So the book is Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. I'm not positive if I'm saying her first name right. It's E-L-I-S-S-A. Comes out April 12th. And this is a famous person, non-famous person romance. It is about a journalist who writes a profile of the next James Bond. The profile goes viral, and there's all of this suspicion about whether or not something romantic happened between them on the weekend they spent together while she was writing the interview. And the book is told in two timelines. So the first timeline is when they first meet and are doing the first interview. And then in the second timeline, it's 10 years later, and he has kind of been shunned from Hollywood. He's been to rehab a few times. He's gotten in some verbal arguments with directors. Um, He had a very public divorce, and he's kind of like persona non grata in Hollywood, and he's trying to stage a comeback. And she's interviewing him again. They get put together, I guess, by his team or whatever for a follow-up interview. And so it's the first time they're seeing each other in many years. It was so good. I mean, I love famous person, non-famous person romance, but I felt like this one felt really fresh to me. I loved the two timelines so you could kind of see how they grew and, and changed over time. And I thought it was really interesting digging into the impact that the virality of the profile had on the journalist's life, both like positively and negatively. So there was there was a lot about like internet culture and like trolls and things like that. I loved it. I devoured it. Highly recommend. That sounds really good. What, do you think I would like it? I think you would. I think you would. And then I also read um, On a Night Like This by Lindsay Kelk. And if you've been here a while, you know that British Chiclet is one of my favorite types of books. And I love Lindsay Kelk. 
She wrote One in a Million, which was one of my favorites. And this one is kind of a modern retelling of Cinderella. And the best way I can describe it is that it's a total romp. So it's about a woman who is kind of stuck in life, and she takes a job as a personal assistant to a huge celebrity. And the celebrity is performing at this ball, which is like this rich people 1% crazy fantastical ball. And she ends up sneaking in and meeting a guy there. It was very cute. It was like sweet and heartwarming, but like it wasn't too sweet. Like it was, it was had an edge to it as well. It was like perfect. Loved it. And then my morning book that I'm reading right now, I will confess that I have kind of put aside Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. I will finish it. I just haven't been in the mood. But I'm reading, it's a memoir called I Came All This Way to Meet You by Jamie Attenberg. And she is an author who has written many books. Uh, the one that stands out to me is The Middlesteens, um, which I think might be her, her kind of like biggest success. Anyway, it's a memoir that's partially about her life as an author. And then there there is, I guess, I haven't gotten to it yet. I think there is some more about like writing craft maybe. But it's it's so well written. It's really wonderful. So I'm really enjoying that. Just reading like a little bit every morning. And if none of these appeal to you, we have our February book club coming up at the end of the month. And this month we are reading Greenwich Park by Katherine Faulkner. I have not read this yet, but Grace has called it The Next Gone Girl. Um, It's going to be the thriller that's everywhere. So I'm excited to check it out. It's about a British woman who meets another woman in her prenatal prep class. And this other woman is um, taking pregnancy, let's say, a little less seriously than the main character. She's like doing some things you're not supposed to do. And apparently she knows a secret about the main character. So that's all I know. But I'm excited. I've seen this book everywhere. Yeah, I got to I got to get get with the hype. I really enjoyed it. And I've I've been talking about it for a few months now and it's been fun because it came out and a lot of my friends who are influencers read it and loved it too. Like Blair Eady loved it. Natalie Mason from Designer Bags and Dirty Diapers loved it. Like a lot of people have been raving about it too. So I know it's not just me because sometimes when you're the one of the first people to read a book, you're like, am I crazy? I hope that like other people like this too. Other people like it, not just me. Well, I'm excited. I think my copy comes today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So that's what we've got for you. If you'd like more of us, you can join our Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. My blog is thestripe.com. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And we will see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.